With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Vermont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Simi Ojale, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Dennis Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. Welcome back to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA and Parquet Press. Jack and Sam here once again. Say what's up, Sam. What's going on? So, uh, we got a uh, guest coming on later in the show, but for now, Sam and I are going to talk about the uh, the hell that uh, Boston has been going through with the Celtics slump right now. You want to you wanna start that off, Sam? It's terrible, man. Like, I tweeted this yesterday, and like I was so heated when I tweeted it, like, they sh- and I said it last week on the podcast. I said yeah. they should go four and zero, and they should have, and they won one game. Yeah, I mean one game they won. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like that was a it, it wasn't an easy stretch of games. Obviously, like the Rockets are a tough team, the Jazz are a tough team, and the Thunder are a tough team. But we should like when we started those games, we should have finished the games, and I think that's where the bigger issue lies is finishing. Like we're just not closing out the games the way we should as a top contending team. The most acceptable loss to me was the Utah loss. You yeah. know, you just play you, you p- play poorly offensively sometimes. It doesn't always work for you. You know, sometimes the shots don't fall. So I get it. But still, had they made shots, they played good defense. That's one positive you can take from that is that they played good defense in that game. They held Utah to under 100 points. So you've got that. They should have won the Brooklyn game, which we talked about already. They should have won that game. They beat Cleveland, um, and they sh- sure as shit should have won on Saturday. No, I mean not Saturday. I'm sorry. Uh, what's no, no? It was Saturday? Yeah, yeah. No, Sunday. I'm sorry. Yeah, no Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. I get confused too. Yeah, yeah. it's awful. Like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I kind of understand what Kemba was trying to do. He's trying to take more time off the clock. All he had to do was pick up his dribble, and they could have called timeout. Yeah, I got nothing. And I'm not. I'm not mad at Kemba. You know, it yeah, happens. exactly. I'm not individually mad at him. I mean, he's he's been playing kind of poor lately, though. Unfortunately, he's you know, coming he's off missing. an injury. I feel like yeah. it's still nagging him. I feel like it's low key still nagging him that injury. Yeah, I don't know, man. I was at that game. I know you were at the Nets game, so you probably yeah. faced we're bad a little luck, bit of. Man. I messaged you yesterday. We're <laughs> yeah. bad luck. We can't go to games anymore. Uh, I don't know, man. The don't energy, for us. the energy in that place was just it just died. Like as soon as that, I, from where we were sitting, I was in the high balconies, right, and I was on the opposite side. So from where I was sitting, it looked like a foul. I don't know. I won't know until the two minute report comes out. I'll be curious to see. Well, but it's probably already out. You're right. Yeah. I, I assume the NBA just covered it up and said, "Nope, our refs made the perfect calls." I feel like. The two-minute reports are pretty unreliable unless it's a completely, like, obvious call. Like, you remember that goaltending, um, uh, the goaltending call against Damian Lillard that was not called on Gobert? Uh, yes. Yeah, yep. that was in the two-minute report correctly. But I feel like little things like these that could go either way, they're just going to stick with what their official said. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think that there was, there was something that they called, and it was, like, bad. They They were questionable calls that that day yeah no they're all correct no calls correct correct i'm not seeing anything incorrect in the oh uh right here it says incorrect there was a foul called on jason tatum yes i remember this remember steven adams had the ball and yeah jason that, tatum that was the one yeah incorrect yeah, yeah. in the box score incorrect yeah, that was oh, bad. Yeah, it was clean. Yeah, was so clean. I, when it came up on the jumbotron at the game, everyone was just sitting there like, "Are you kidding me, man?" I'm, I mean, it doesn't make me feel much better because we still lost the game. But <laughs> if anything, the two minute report just pisses me off more. You know what I mean? It's so tough. Like you said, we should have gone four and zero in this stretch, and we had the potential to. But I'm going to bring it back to the same thing again. The hospital Celtics. It, literally, we just can't get healthy. It's an inability to stay healthy. We get back for one game against the Nets, and we lost the game before that to the Rockets, yes, but, you know, I can't even make an excuse. That was a bad loss. We should have won that game. But then we come back against the Nets, 
and it's the first time the core group of players is back together for the first time in what seems like forever. So I have to imagine there's some chemistry issues there, even though they've like been together as a team, obviously they haven't played together much, if at all, this season. And so we definitely should have closed it out because we should have won that game. But then you have Hayward and Brown go down in the same game. Are you kidding me? Then the next game, Semi Ojale has to leave the game. He comes back, but still, it's just like, when are we going to get healthy, man? Like, it's just not happening right now. Yeah. That's my biggest frustration as a Celtics fan by far this season, I think. As much as I hate Ainge, or I don't hate Ainge. Let me let me retract that real quick. I don't hate Ainge. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> no, no. Definitely not. As much as I was frustrated at the time that we didn't make a move at the deadline, as much as I'm frustrated with Jason Tatum's random missing free throws lately, the, the, the health issues just, like, I feel like we're the least lucky team in the entire league. Do you, Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm I'm really sick of people getting hurt. It's it's annoying. Like, come on, man. Like, basketball guys are brutal. They I, are they are striking down upon the 17 time champs. It seems never ending these past few years too. Like, as much as I hated Kyrie, like he got hurt, which hurt our chances the first year. Then Hayward, like before that, Hayward had his freak injury. Isaiah got yeah. hurt in the playoffs. Even like even back to that era, it just yeah. seems like I don't know. <laughs> like like you said, basketball gods hate Boston for some reason. We're just we're too good. We'll say it's that we're too good. The the injury got I mean not the injury gods. I mean injuries happen though. Like I mean yeah. we we don't see it all over because like you know role players aren't as important to us as they are to other teams. As mm-hmm. like you know our role players getting hurt isn't important to other fans. So like I guess it it probably happens to everybody more than we think, but it, it feels awful. <laughs> yeah, it's especially, really really annoying. Especially when it's like Hayward and Brown, who are two of our top four guys, and with the right. team that I, I would say we don't have too much depth. Like we have decent depth players, but I don't think we have like the fifteen man depth of the Clippers or the Raptors. So like those guys are just ultra important for us, and to have them go down like severely impacts our chance of winning like at all times. And like as much as we should have won those games against the the Nets and the Thunder and the Jazz, like. We were missing one of our best players. It, it doesn't show, like, the true colors of the Celtics for the rest of the season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't show the true colors, but, like, it. I mean, they still should have won. No, yeah. I don't think – I don't <laughs> like using it as an excuse unless yeah, you have yeah. to. You know, you lose a playoff series. Ah, all right, they were injured, right? But, like, you know, they, they were up 17 on Brooklyn, should have closed that. 21 on they the were, Rockets, right? Or 21 yeah, on Brooklyn, on the 17 on the Rockets, something like that. It was a lot. Right, and then <laughs> yesterday's game, like, they should have just closed the game. Like, it, you don't need all your players to close the game, you know? It, it's not that hard. I mean, yeah, man. Uh, as I sit yeah. in my chair and talk. <laughs> yeah, I can't say much. I'm six foot one, which is, I guess, I guess pretty tall, but I'm not nearly in the same realm of athletic prowess as these guys are. But yeah, we got a pretty cool guest coming up on the show uh, talk about these struggles, and I'm just going to try to pick his brain as much as I can, because... He works in the industry. We got Max Letterman from NBC Sports. I'll let you tell him more of this, uh, the specifics about his job because I don't want to <laughs> mess anything up. But um, yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, then we'll get into what he thinks about the current Celtics and whatever else we can get uh, him to talk about. Can't wait. And we're back, guys, with Max Letterman here. Uh, tell us a little about about yourself, Max. Uh, well, I'm an associate producer at NBC Sports Boston. I cover the Celtics. I've been uh, been there uh, for about 10 years now. Um, I started mainly uh, just focusing on the Celtics, covering them uh, at the beginning of the Brad Stevens era. So it's been quite a fun ride. A lot of different teams, but um, surprisingly competitive um, for almost every single year. So uh, no complaints for me. Yeah, it's been a. It's I can't complain over the last ten years either. Um, <laughs> missed the playoffs once, I believe. So, so again, no complaints here. But lately, I have a, a few complaints. I think it's been a a tough stretch of games for Celtics fans. I was telling Sam, uh, you have any thoughts on the recent struggles and uh, the woes <laughs> the team's been facing in general? Yeah, a couple. You know, not really characteristic. You know, screw ups towards the end of some of those games, especially from Kemba. Um, at the end of the Nets game and then at the end of that um, the Thunder game were uncharacteristic turnovers. So I'm not super worried about it. It sucks that they happened and that they ended up losing basically because of it. I mean, Marcus Smart fouling uh, LeBert shooting the three was probably more to blame than Kemba's turnover right before that. Yeah. Um, 
And also the NBA's last two minute report came out and, you know, there was a, a botched call that went against the Celtics that would have, you know, who knows what would have happened, but they probably would have held on to win uh, last game versus the Thunder. Yep. So, you know, a couple of uh, unfortunate things, but also they don't have Jalen and, you know, he's been so under the radar. I feel like uh, mm-hmm. since, you know, the calendar turned over uh, to 2020, I think, you know, he was getting a lot of love with Tatum in the beginning of the season, but, you know, since Tatum's rise, we're sort of forgetting about how just absolutely solid Jalen has been every single game, just 20 points. Just mark him down for 20 points. Yeah. Uh, and his shooting is really, you know, right, it just seems like when they're just desperate for a three, he just somehow gets one in the corner and, and nails it. So that that can't be uh, ignored as as well. But, you know, that said, you got to win those games um, if you're going to go for that two seed, which you, you really should try to get, but you know, health has been an issue all year for this team. So, yeah, yeah. Jalen Brown, for sure, has been great all year. People don't give him the credit. Like, especially, like, when Tatum had that incredible February, right? He had – Jalen Brown was still having, like, 20 points per game. Like, I remember I saw a graphic on it, and, like, he hit 20 points, 20 points, 20 points, like you say. So, like, he definitely does not get the credit. And he is definitely an important piece to winning for the Celtics team. Um, as far as the last two minute report goes, I want to get your opinion on it. Do you like last two minute reports or do they frustrate you more than anything? Um, I understand why they do it. I, I, I've always, since they first came out with them, it always to me just was like, they're going to get into sports gambling. Like that to me was like, they just want to have some transparency there. Like, look, we'll admit our mistakes and stuff like that. Just so that, you know, um, we're not afraid of that. Um, and I think that's kind of what it is. It doesn't, it it doesn't help like the teams that get screwed over, but you know, they're humans. And I just think admitting that you screwed up is an important, you know, and it's an important thing for people to do is to reflect and see their errors and hopefully be better next time. Uh, you, you know, I understand the argument where it's like, what's the point if you're not going to change it? Uh, it's just frustrating. Um, I, it doesn't really bother me, and there's been several times, not really this year, but in the past couple of years where I'm like, I'm literally refreshing that page waiting for it to update because I want to see <laughs> what the last right. two-minute report says. So <laughs> I don't mind them. Yeah, I mean, Mark Cuban recently got fined a, a ton of money. I mean, not for him. It's like chump change for him, but a ton of money for complaining because of that, I, I would say, poorly officiated last few minutes of the Mavericks-Hawks game, but I feel like people who and then there was like that Damian Lillard Rudy Gobert thing as much as you said I would agree I think they're not necessary but like a good gesture from the NBA saying okay we'll admit our mistakes and we'll use them to improve but I understand for like Damian Lillard for example like how frustrating that is like he came out after the game and said I don't want to see that like why would why would I want to see that like you're just admitting that you cost us the game and that doesn't help me in any way because it's still an L in the loss column for us so I like you said, I get both sides of the argument and you mentioned the Celtics Thunder game. I was actually there and when that that call on Jason Tatum came on Sam Adams in those last two minutes and they showed it on the uh the Jumbotron, I was just in my seat like enraged, like I, like are you kidding me? Are we really about to blow another game because of like ugh, I'm not saying we blew the other games because of the ref, because we blew those ourselves, but being there just lit a fire in me more than watching it. Home. That was, that was I just terrible. think though, I think though, if you think about it, they, you know, it, as much as it sucks to have that bad call, I mean, you shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. And also Kemba shouldn't have turned the ball over. They should have, they, yeah. they should be able to get the ball out of bounds. It's like, it's literally like watching the Sixers, you know, as <laughs> someone from Philadelphia, unfortunately I do that a lot. And that's a Brett Brown thing where you can't, I mean, it's incredible how bad they are at uh, late game, uh, inbounding and it's just not something that I've ever seen the Celtics struggle with so it really is uh, you know you can blame the ref uh, and you know there's no excuse from uh, making bad calls like that but mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day I think maybe the reason they only do the two minutes is like look you didn't get job because there was you know the 46 other minutes what were you doing you know you know just build a bigger lead and you don't have to worry about it or hold on to a lead there was they went on a, a really huge run the Celtics did at the end of the or in like the middle towards the end of the second quarter, and then the right. Thunder went on a 7-0 run to end the second quarter, and just like that was it. That was the momentum right there. Yeah, it's a big swing. So what's it like being a Sixers fan covering the Celtics like you do? Is it is it frustrating? Is it hard? <laughs> um, 
No, you know, so I I think it's better for me personally to be not like a a born green blooded Celtics fan covering the Celtics because it just allows me to be more objective and and cool headed because I like when the Celtics win. I'm you know I've been covering them long enough. I'm emotionally invested in the outcome. It's good for my work. Um, yeah. When when they advance in the playoffs and stuff like that. But like last night when they lost, you know there was a chance with Tatum shot. You know we were all rooting for it. Uh, you know, we were all like, ah, when it didn't go in, but it was instantly like, all right, let's update the scoreboard. Let's update the graphics. Let's get ready for our show. You know, we don't have time to, to be mad or upset. So it is kind of valuable in that way that I don't have to, uh, you know, I don't, I don't cry myself to sleep after a loss. Whereas if it were the Sixers, I'd be swearing and throwing things. (laughs) So it's helpful. But, you know, at the end of the day, like for the most part, you know, the majority of my career, it was fine because the Sixers were so bad. Um, right. They yeah, were yeah. trying now to be bad. Now it's a rivalry. Now it looks like that three six matchup's gonna happen and it's a nightmare. But Ooh. what's funny is that uh one of my friends, uh my colleagues down at NBC Sports Philly is from up here really? uh, and is a huge Celtics fan and does the pre and post game show for the Sixers. So he's like bizarre. he's opposite day max and he's <laughs> like the same thing. He's just like, Oh, what a nightmare that first round series would be. Um but I tell you I'm, I, I want the Sixers to win, you know, championships, a million championships. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, uh, I don't really like people ask, like, well, who are you going to root for? It's like, I don't like I just prefer a good game. I just watch it. I, I experience it. Um, I think you work in sports long enough. You um, it's not it's not a bad thing, but you do lose some of that like in game fiery passion, like just dying and, you know, you know, really wanting something to happen. Like to me, it's like, I just, I just love basketball. I love mm-hmm. the NBA and I love watching it. And I feel really fortunate to get to do it and get paid to do it. Um, so if my favorite team growing up loses to the team I cover, that feels like a win for me either way, you know? Yeah. That's, it's not a bad situation to be in, to be honest. Cause it, like you say, it's the best of both worlds. So it's win, win. No, yeah, exactly. So, I just quickly want to ask before we get back to Celtics, with the Sixers struggles this year similar to the Celtics of last year, do you think um, like maybe Al Horford might have something to do with it? It sounds ridiculous, but like trouble's following him everywhere he's going. I, I personally don't think so, but and no. also how similar do you think the two situations are? Um, they're a little different. Um, I don't think Al um, has much to do with it. He's He's not helping or hurting, really. Like, it's just Al didn't help last year. You know, right. Al's supposed to be this great leader and was just kind of quiet. And, you know, because I think Al knew there was nothing really he could do um, in the situation last year because there were some some major personalities. And that's just not how he is. He's a lead by example guy. He's, he helps your team win. Everywhere he goes, uh, the team gets better. They're better with him on the court. They're better at defending. They're better on offense. Um, and so he's. He's you know really great at what he does, but he's just not this rah rah follow me guy. Uh, he's in a terrible situation in Philly. It was like man, I remember when that signing happened. We had to go back up because we had finished our free agency show, but that was a big enough deal that we had to get back on air uh, and update it because it was such a huge signing. And I remember thinking, well, hey, thinking outside of the box here, whatever. Um, it'll help with, you know, keeping Embiid fresh and it'll help not having Al defending Embiid. But at the end of the day, the, the fit never made sense. Al probably should have thought a little bit, um, harder about just taking that money. I mean, he was smart. I remember Ashrod Blakely saying to me, um, I think it was before his final year with the Celtics. Like if Al has another year, like he did last year, he's going to opt out and get a max again. And I remember she'd be like, no, that's not Al. Al's going to take less and sign an extension with this. That's what I thought. Yeah, I think we we made that story up about Al. That's not. Um, that's just that just was never a thing. I think it was always like, you know, he's trying to cash in, and you know, good for him. He wants to win. He's a good player. He didn't. It's not like he went to the Hawks. You know, went back to the Hawks, right? Or uh, you know, just a garbage team like the Knicks to to make money. Yeah. He, you know, he took a big, huge, fat contract to go to a team that was poised to be a contender, and it ended up being an awful mistake. Um, for I think both sides, but I, I don't think he has anything to do with it. But I do think um, the, also that the situations are different because the Sixer situation is a lot of pieces that are new coming together and that absolutely just don't fit. I think the Celtic situation last year was that 
Um, Terry got a little too uh, full of himself or just, you know, was smoking his own brand or his own <laughs> stuff uh, after that playoff run without Kyrie. And he said all the right things, um, but he really wanted, he, you know, he thought he was better than Kyrie. And Kyrie also was just, as we know, a terrible leader right. and um, just really disruptive in the locker room, just constantly complaining about the young guys. And, and Jalen um, has always just seemed like a natural leader and was just like, I don't care what year I am in the league, like, shut up look at yourself in the mirror. Like we all have to be better, not just the young guys. Mm -hmm. So there was some conflict there. I don't think Morris, um, was necessarily the right guy to have in that mix either. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I like, you know, I like Terry. I like Morris. Big like personalities, big personalities, but the mix was bad. Yeah. You know, like they had perfect balance here before because guys got hurt and, you know, young guys could, could grow, but they grew. And then there just wasn't space for them anymore. And with the Sixers, it's just like a bad mix and not a good enough coach to make it work and a crappy front office and the worst ownership in the NBA other than Dolan and maybe uh, the guy in uh, Sarver with the Suns. Um, but it, it's, they're different situations, and I don't blame Al. He's just kind of unfortunate, but at least he's getting paid. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree there. So sticking with the, I guess, Sixers-Celtics themes, you mentioned that the 3-6 matchup is looking ever more likely with the Raptors. Never losing, and the Celtics on this, this, I don't even want to talk about it. Um, so we're looking at a Sixers-Celtics matchup in the first round, which would inevitably leave one of them out as a first-round exit. And I think coming into the season, both of those teams saw a first-round exit as, like, the worst of the worst possible. And for the Celtics, in from my standpoint at least, if the Celtics have a first-round exit, I wouldn't really change much. Like, it's a young team, and I think most people fail to realize how young the team is. And so I wouldn't just immediately blow it up and try to do a bunch of things to change it when you're so young. But with the Sixers, I mean, I you know, they're still a young team now that I think about it. But would you, from the perspective of Philly, what would you do in the offseason? Like, would you try to change, like, big parts of your team to try to fix that for next year? Um, I don't think there's much they can do. You can't yeah. trade uh, Embiid or Ben Simmons. You have to keep them together. Uh, they're, they're two, like, transcendent franchise cornerstone talents around the same age, both locked up to, you know, contracts that are what they are. Um, they're max deals, but they're, they're worth it. They're absolutely worth it. They, they aren't a perfect fit together, but um, you can make it work. You just have to fill the roster with shooters and, and play complimentary players, which is not what they've done because they hired Elton Brand, who had no experience <laughs> in the front office, who, look, Great guy. Love him. Yeah. I love how they got nostalgic. Like, hey, Elton, you were a terrible free agent signing for our franchise. Why don't you come be uh, GM with zero experience? And they kept all Colangelo's guys there. And it's just, you know, it it makes yeah. me really upset thinking about uh, how awful that franchise has been run since they knifed Hinky in the back, since the NBA got involved, because Jalil Okafor got into a fight in a at a Boston bar. I mean, really. <laughs> It's amazing how that one Man. night could have changed history there, but um, I digress. Um, I think the Sixers are going to blow up as much as they can. Um, they're going to try to offload Al. Uh, mm -hmm. They probably should try to offload Tobias um, if they can, because I don't know if he's more if he's more movable than Al or not. I like Tobias, but mm -hmm. um, they just need they need more complementary pieces to what uh, their two stars do. Um, it's going to be tough. I think they're probably stuck with Tobias. They might have some luck uh, trading out. If not, I don't know what they're going to do. But um, I think the brand, I think they need to clean house in the front office, and then you know the coaching staff needs to go. It's unfortunate. I don't think Brett Brown's terrible, but um, if you can't get Ben Simmons to shoot threes, like that's a failure of coaching. You know, it's it's so there's <laughs> something wrong with Ben. Yeah, but nothing that uh, a benching him wouldn't fix i think and i know benching him is crazy because he's so good but at some point you know you just need to you need to establish you know order you need to say look who's running this team is it me or is it the players and it's clearly the players uh and i don't think that's a you know a path to success uh for philadelphia so they're gonna clean house and as far as the celtics go you're right we you know a first round exit was not like crazy to think about at the beginning of the season like we thought that yeah. you know we were being optimistic we thought oh well Toronto's going to be down but and they'll be better than Brooklyn because we just don't want to believe in Kyrie right now uh 
But, you know, and we didn't think that Miami was going to be good. So we thought kind of like baked in they might be top three. But at the end of the day, they play, they outplayed expectations so much. And now there are new expectations to advance past the first round. And I do think they will. I don't think they'll lose to Philadelphia in the first round. I think that the regular season matchup did not go well for the Celtics. But the Sixers are hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be way more pressure on them. And... Brad Stevens is just so much better at coaching than Brett Brown. And in the playoffs, in a <laughs> seven-game series, that matters a lot. So yeah. um, I, I wouldn't worry too much if I were Celtics fans, but I could also be totally wrong. So I'm just going to say that. So regarding this recent uh, skid that we were talking about, do you think there's anything that needs to change particularly? Uh, there's been a lot of talk in the buyout market, and we've been talking about it for a while now, and it's getting old. But – do you think there's anyone out there that they could sign to improve them? And also, I mean, or if you don't think so, do you think there's anything they need to do regarding the rotation to improve? Um, it's tough because, you know, they're just the injuries really kind of screw everything up and they mess with Brad's rotations as well. And Brad is always kind of, you know, I think he's purposefully slow with making adjustments to the rotation because he likes to have a good uh, data set in his head for when he gets to the playoffs. So he'll bring out some crazy lineups. And you're like, well, how did he even think of that? And it's like, well, there was one game in you know <laughs> January uh, against a crappy team in the second quarter. Um, for 30 seconds, he ran this lineup out, and it's you know he saw something. So um, I don't know about rotations. It it's just tough when you when you've got these injuries and their depth is fine as long as they're healthy. Uh, but it's as soon as they they take uh, you know, as soon as they get like a guard injured, they're kind of screwed because you know the depth at the guard position and the front. I mean, really, they only have depth on the wings, um, but mm-hmm. guards and, uh, and bigs they're kind of thin. And if one guy's hurt, you're really in trouble. And, and trying to get Time Lord back, um, and now he's got a back injury, he's probable for for next game. But you know his his injury, I think, really kind of has been not talked about a lot, but really kind of screwed things up for them because he was starting to play pretty well before he got hurt. And now he's back to, you know, feels like rookie Rob again, you know, just mm-hmm. jumping at every single pump fake and, and out of position, but he's athletic enough to get back sometimes. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of blown coverages and uh, it's a little frustrating, but what are you going to do? I think Cantor looks hurt still. Yeah, um, for sure. So I, I don't think he's been punished when Brad hasn't played him a lot. I think it's just he's just not moving very well. Yeah. And Tice is great. Tice is absolutely great, but he's limited. Um, he's just one person. He can't, you know, he can't play 48 minutes. And he's also not a, like a, a big-bodied rim protector that can just stand in the paint because um, they've really been getting torched inside uh, during this uh, four out of five skid. And, in, you know, opponents are just destroying them uh, within five feet. And I think a lot of that is just because they're they're bigs, and also that without Jalen, you know, as that first line of defense on the perimeter. Yeah, and we're talking all about the I, I've deemed them in Twitter has deemed them the hospital Celtics, and how Cantor's still probably hurt. I I would argue that Kemba's still feeling it a little bit. Uh, Robert Williams has never been the same since the injury, but on the on the opposite side of that. The most consistently healthy guy in the team this year, Brad Wanamaker, who I'm a big fan of, I think has been playing some really underrated minutes for us. And I see all over Twitter people are people are slandering him and saying he needs to be traded and he's a G League player and we should get IT instead of him. But like you mentioned, there's not a lot of depth at the guard position right now for us. And so to have a guy who hasn't really been in the rotation the past couple of years step up and play this big of a role for us, I think it's huge. And I think it's completely disrespectful for people to say that he's an awful player. He's Isn't he leading the league in free throw percentage? Which, I mean, he doesn't get the amount of shots Harden does or all these big guys, but he's still making all his free throws. And he... I see all these complaints that he shouldn't have taken those shots at the end of the Utah game, but it, they were open threes. I, I, good I'm, I'm glad he yeah. had the confidence to take them. So I, I just He's, wanted your thoughts on the, the slander of Brad Wanamaker all over Twitter. Well, I'm guilty of it. I made a joke about uh, <laughs> Brad on Twitter the other night, but it was just a joke. I mean, exactly. I, I, I agree with you, Brad. You know, He's not the reason they're losing games. I mean, he had those two air balls. Which were bad, and you know, look, we're going to take our shots and have our fun on Twitter. But I'm not sitting here slandering the guy. I mean, yeah. he is what he is. He's a he's a third guard 
uh, who's been forced to play more minutes and has been, you know, for the most part, I think that he's been a net positive for them. And actually, the data backs it up. Uh, I haven't looked since last game, but before last game, he was 11th in net rating for uh, for bench players. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's. I mean, what else can you ask for mm-hmm. um, for a guy coming off the bench? Uh, other than to just be a positive, like you're, the team is not getting outscored when he's on the court. So, you know, he may have some some mistakes here and there. But look, he's he is what he is. And if you're expecting him to be, you know, 2017 Isaiah Thomas, you're wrong. And speaking of Isaiah Thomas, I mean, there's a reason that he's not on a team right now. It's unfortunate, but I think that hip injury it just it just it just ruined his his burst, you know, and he depended on that for someone his size. And and Jamal Crawford, I mean, come on. Like, these He's people old complaining man. and saying, like, oh, we need to do this, we need to do that. I'm like, sometimes the shiny object isn't better. Sometimes, especially when you have a coach like Brad Stevens who, uh, you know, really values defense and familiarity with his players, you know, he's not going to want you to just throw some chucker in there that's not going to play in the playoffs uh, to – you know, oh, let's just get him to make a move. It's like Danny doesn't do that. Danny doesn't make bad trades either. And that's why people are like, well, why didn't he uh, go do what the Sixers did and get Alec Burks and, and Glenn Robinson? Well, one, how's that help the Sixers? Uh, let's look at that. <laughs> and two, how do you even know that was on the table for him? Because I'm sure yeah. Golden State was trying to get rid of two guys because they're trying to get you know lower their luxury tax bill. Danny would have to cut two players, which you know everyone's like, oh, Poirier sucks, la la la. It's like. Yeah, but he's under contract for next year. And who's the other player? Who else are you going to cut? I mean, and Danny doesn't make, like I said, he does not make bad trades. Even if you think that it's a good trade in your NBA 2K, you know, franchise, uh, that's fine. <laughs> but but Danny values, he values assets. He values picks. Yeah. And just because you may perceive um, a need with bench shooting doesn't mean he's going to trade a first-round mm-hmm. pick for Alec Burks. <laughs> Or Glenn Robinson, like, what are we talking about here? Like, I literally argued with someone at work who I respect their basketball intellect uh, about Alec Burks. I'm like, do you really think the difference between a championship with the Celtics team is Alec Burks? Get the f- <laughs> I'm not going to say it, but get out of here. Get out of here with that. Oh, answer. man. Yeah, no. I, I remember uh, Brad Stevens saying something earlier. He was talking about Tice, but I think it applies to Wanamaker, too. He was like, with our... Outside positions, like outside of JT, Jalen Brown, Hayward, and Kemba, and even Smart at times, we just need guys who complement them well, who can play their role. Tice plays his role perfectly, and I would argue Wanamaker does the same. He doesn't need to take 30 shots a game. When they're open, He he's shooting decent from the field. Those two air balls do not tell the whole story of the season. He's playing pretty solid basketball this year. Then you got guys like Grant Williams, who knows his role as a rookie, which is rare to have a guy come in with, I, I would argue, solid basketball IQ as much as he makes these little mistakes he's a rookie I think he's going to be a good rotation piece for us in the future and just like Romeo Langford showed promise Carson Edwards showed promise in the preseason I guess but Tremont Waters looks good I I like the future of the team and like you said people who say to sign Jamal Crawford who's what like on the bad end of 40 like I mean it just doesn't make sense for the team I'll admit I was guilty of the complaining over Alec Burks but I think that was more being more me being mad that Philly got them rather than us getting them or us not getting them. So, but yeah, no, I, I think our bench is doing exactly what they need to. And the starters take the shots they're supposed to take. So as much as I want more scoring from the bench, a guy, like you said, like Alec Burks, isn't the difference between us and a championship. And all the, all that like bench scoring really means is like guys that weren't in the starting lineup, how much they scored, but it's not like, how much do the Celtics score when they don't have all five of their mm-hmm. starters out? Because they stagger the guys. So, like, Hayward right. can yeah. play more of a playmaking role with some of the bench guys. Tatum, for the first half of the season, I was calling them the Green Mamba lineups, where it was him and all bench guys, and he was just forced to be like Kobe out there and just throw up bad mid-range shots. Um, you know, but that's just what you know he was supposed to be doing because of the, those lineups, and those have kind of died down a little bit, but... Um, like he's out there with a Marcus now or with a, with the Hayward. Um, so it's not necessarily, and especially in the playoffs when the rotations get shortened, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I know that a lot of people are really upset about the, the bench performance, but you know, if Jalen's healthy, you know, there's, those are, you know, those are 30 extra minutes that aren't going to a bench guy that aren't going to a Romeo or a Wanamaker, you know, 
or uh, Edwards or Tremont Waters. You know, those guys are fine, but you want the the you want the thoroughbreds out there in crunch time and when it matters. And the Celtics are set up so nicely um, for now and for the future. And and whether it is guys like Carson Edwards, Grant Williams, Tremont Waters, them or not, um, I think the Celtics will probably look to improve their bench in the offseason and maybe find another big. But again, I like people complaining about them not making moves and stuff. It's like, you got to show me the move that they could have made and then tell me that it was on the table for sure. And then we can complain about it. But, you know, I remember people complaining about the Celtics not trading for Paul George when he was with the Pacers. I mean, the pick that ended up turning into Jason Tatum, it's like, you know, what are we talking about? And, and Danny, I remember saying, uh, you know, people don't understand how much the Pacers valued Oladipo. And they were, they were spot on about that, but also just the fact that he went to Indiana. Like, that stuff matters for teams like the Pacers. So, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things behind the scenes that we don't know. Um, and it's just not NBA 2K. I think, I think the Celtics are going to be fine. I think they're going to make it out of the first round. And it, depending on matchup, you know, they can make a run to the conference finals. And look, anything's possible, right? KG said it. Uh, you know, you right. saw the, the Warriors got hurt last year. Toronto gets a, you know, miracle shot from Kawhi. Uh, that bounces 85 times on the rim, and they end up be upsetting the the Bucks, and they win the championship. So you just don't know. Uh, this Danny, you can't really complain about Danny not making moves because every other time that people have complained about him not making moves, they end up being like so important that he didn't make those moves because they got Jason Tatum and they got Jalen Brown, and those are two absolute studs that you can build your team around for the next five to ten years. Speaking of the future, um, how do you feel about Gordon Hayward going forward? And also, how do you feel like he's done this season? A lot of people are hating on him. I personally don't think it's deserved. I think he's doing what he can in the role he's supposed to be in. Yeah, I think I think Hayward's been fine. I think it's just crazy that people are complaining about what uh, what he's doing. It's like, I mean, he's he's scoring 17, 18 points a game. Uh, he's having his best shooting season of his entire career. Uh, and he's facilitating the offense when Kemba or Smart aren't out there. So it's like, like I don't know what people want from him. They want him to be something that he never was. Um, he, you know, I think he maxed out at like 21 points per game when he was with Utah. And I mean, he's not far from that. I mean, he would be doing that if he if there weren't Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown on the team. But I think we're all happy that those guys are on the team. He's like the third or fourth option most nights. Right. Uh, and he makes exactly the right decision almost every single time he's uh he's missed a couple bunnies in tough spots so i think that makes people think he's worse than he is but he's been absolutely fine i have like i have literally no complaints about him he's smart he look he can't he can't score against like elite defenders but like four people in the nba can so (laughs) i don't so but like he's really smart at not trying it too like he you watch him he'll Especially against the Heat, uh, I I don't think it was if it was last game versus the Heat or the one before. Uh, Scal was watching it with us in Needham. It was right after we launched our new studio, so that's why he was in the building with us. But uh, we were watching Gordon, and he you could just see it was, he would start with Butler on him, then they would uh, you know they'd set a screen for him, switch next guy. Oh, don't like him; he's too good of a defender. Switch Duncan Robinson, take him to the whole nothing but soul score. You know, so it's like he's making calculated decisions, you know, not to go after or not to attack the elite defenders, but he's getting the matchup he wants. And when he has it, he's, he's making the right choice. So I have no complaints about how he's been this year. I think that um, he's going to opt in because I think it would be crazy not to unless, you know, he has some feelers from other teams or if the Celtics want to, you know, if he's willing to take a discount to sign long term for the security, you know, that's fine. But. Uh, I think he's a, he's a fine player to have. And even if he doesn't, I don't think they would even have the cap space to go sign some big free agent. And also who's the big free agent that's on the market. So I think he's been, he's been fine. The team is good. Uh, they're set up nicely and he'll be a free, free agent after next season. And we'll see what happens. But, um, I just, of all the things to complain about with the Celtics, it really is. It's crazy (laughs) that, that people complain about, uh, like I would, I think it's more valid to complain about the bench scoring than to complain about Gordon Hayward. And I yeah. like I just talked about how you know what are we expecting from the bench? I think we need to adjust our expectations. Um, and I think Hayward's been fine. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's kind of behind us now, but like 
right after football season ended, the Celtics kind of slumped. And uh, that's when all the casual like Patriots fans came back to start watching basketball. And it was not a good look for them to see that first. And they are very vocal. So I think that's what the problem is, too, to be to be honest. Yeah. And they're calling in to the to the radio guys and getting <laughs> them off. And like, I, I really do. I, I personally like Mike Felger. Um, he's incredibly nice, uh, super loyal to his people and friendly. Uh, and he's exactly the same in person as he's on TV. People always ask me, is he, you know, is he faking it on on uh, on radio or on TV? I'm like, no, no, he'll argue with you about anything, <laughs> sports, and he has that's his awesome. takes. That's awesome. It really amazing. is. But he's just he's a nice guy. But when I complain about them, I hate it. Whenever I put a tweet out to complain about one of their segments, everyone just starts dunking on Felger. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not like saying like he's a bad person. I just think he's an idiot when it comes to the Celtics sometimes yeah I mean he he doesn't seem to watch a lot of basketball he's uh they, they call them puckheads Tommy calls them puckheads right yeah yeah Tommy's the best is Tommy a cool guy you have any yeah. good Tommy stories because you met him in studio obviously because he does the pre and post games right yeah oh yeah Tommy so it took me a while to warm up to, or it took Tommy a while to warm up to me I should say uh but for like it took me like three years to get him to understand that I'm never serious that I'm always trying to make jokes <laughs> Because he would just look at me, and when I would say these things, and I'm like, I'm, I would just have to explain, like, I'm just kidding. And he'd be like, okay, you know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> he finally got it, and we really, uh, I think last year we really started to bond. Um, but I, it was either last year or the year before, I, I confronted him about the Tommy Award. I was I was having an issue with Marcus Smart not getting enough, and I, I just had, a, had had enough. And I said to Tommy, I was like, look, I need to, you know, I got a, a bone to pick with you. Marcus Smart needs to get more Tommy Awards. What's going on with this? And he broke it down for me. He explained. He's like, look, Marcus set the bar. He, I have an expectation level for him to do all those the things that he does every game. And the Tommy Awards is supposed to be exceeding <laughs> expectations, going above and beyond. And I was like, wow, you just like blew my mind with that answer. <laughs> and I, I get it now. So, but yeah, Tommy's great. He's great. He, he dunked so hard on Kyle Draper the other night. Uh, last g- game, he was in studio. Kyle was setting himself up to like argue with Tommy. He's like, Tommy, look, I know you're Hall of Famer. I'm on my way. And then Tommy just instantly was like, what, are you taking a taxi cab? Oh, so good. No. Oh, man. Yeah, he's, he's still got his fastball. Uh, he's a pleasure to work with and absolutely legendary. And uh, he look, he will just talk your head off about basketball. If you bring up anything, and he'll just go. He'll just go. He recalls every, like, I don't know about every game, but like he just has so many stories that he tells them. And we're just sitting there in the newsroom, like looking around, like, why aren't we recording this? <laughs> like, I'm making a podcast, Tommy Story Time, or something like that. He should have a podcast. I feel like that'd be awesome because he's been so, he's been with the Celtics pretty much since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. He's been around forever. He's um, 10, 10 championships, two time Hall of Famer, should be three time. I think he'll be a three time Hall of Famer, get the, uh, the broadcast one. Right. Uh, at some point soon. And and look, when he he's best when he's on the game, you know, he's fine in the studio. But when he's on the game and he's with Mike Gorman uh, and he's just living in the moment like those are like and we get the most engagement on social media, too. When that mm-hmm. happens, like people love Tommy. And when yeah. whenever NBA TV simulcasts our broadcast, we get all the people from the other markets. Yeah, people hate Tommy because like, he, they're not Homer? us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, yeah, God. Right, right, right. Those are my favorite games. I, favorite games. I was looking. I was like that when I first moved up here uh, for college in 2003, that long ago. Uh, I <laughs> like, how can people like this? Homer, oh my goodness, complains about the refs. It's awesome. And then you, it takes a while, but you, you just are like, man, that's Tommy, and it's great. How's Scal? I, I really like Scal, and like I've seen people complain about Scal on yeah. Twitter. Like they, I mean, they compare him to Tommy, I guess. But I think he's going to be like a good successor to Tommy, if that's what he wants. I, I think he'd be awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Scal's great. Uh, he's incredibly knowledgeable about the sport, and he knows um, he knows how to how to how to say it on TV. And he's funny, and he doesn't take himself too seriously, which is like we uh, we used to walk to Wegmans in our old building. We would walk to Wegmans uh, together, me, him, and a couple of the other guys. And one time we went, and this guy from the uh, from the kitchen at Wegmans came out and was like shaking. Like he was such a big scal <laughs> fan. He was like, can I get a picture with you? He's like, Oh my God, I, I have your Cal Jersey, your Nets Jersey, your Celtics Jersey. Both. And like, so we did the, you know, he did the whole picture thing. And then as we were leaving, I was like, man, that's weird. And scouts like, look, I don't get it, man. 
Like, I was not that good of a player. I should not be <laughs> as popular as I am. Like, he's completely self-aware about it. It's like, I'm not complaining about it, but I understand that it's weird and it shouldn't be that way, but it is. So I, that's what I love about Scal is that he, he understands the weirdness of it, but he embraces it, and I think Celtics fans love him too. And, yeah. and he's, he's just a funny, goofy guy. Yeah, I think he's hilarious. I think that's why he's so popular too. Like just because of yeah, his whole personality, sure. even during his career, yeah. and he embraces it. Yeah, he embraces exactly. like everything that people like about him. I guess right and, because look, at the end of the day, even if he was a bench player and didn't play a lot, uh, he was still one of the two hundred or three hundred best human beings that could play basketball on planet Earth when he exactly. did. So like, there's a lot of people on Earth. So <laughs> that's a that's a a pretty small percentage. So. Um, he's got that to lean back on. He's got his, uh, you know, his basketball knowledge. He still plays, uh, mm-hmm. big three and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, look, he, he loves to work too. That's another thing about him. He's not lazy or anything like that. Um, so look, I respect the hell out of him. He's, I consider him a friend. Awesome. Speaking of him being hilarious. Uh, another thing that is hilarious is weird Celtics Twitter. We all love <laughs> it. Um, you are probably at the head of it at least you know you you always get the content on tv that's what like a lot of people like about you do you have a favorite thing that happens on celtics twitter like favorite meme favorite uh like inside joke that people have on uh twitter um now i don't know if i have like a single favorite thing i love all the marcus uh marcus smart stuff because uh he he like embraces it he's really smart he's like that's like with uh, like what Scal would have done if he was exactly during uh, Weird Celtics Twitter time because Marcus saw it, embraced it, and like leaned into it, and it's perfect. Um, and all the smart stuff. Um, I love yeah, that. It's just I think that's yeah, great. There, and it's 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 just uh, you never know what you're gonna see uh, when, each day on Weird Celtics Twitter and and it is look it's a challenge putting that uh, that segment together. And, you know, thank God for all the posters out there because I am incredibly busy during games. Like it's, it's hard. Like we're watching, but we're also trying to build our rundowns for halftime and for postgame after pregame. And then while I'm doing that, I also have to plan the segment. Um, But they make it, they make it as easy as, as it can be because, you know, I know there's a bunch of real solid, always go to guys and I can put out a, a call for certain kinds of tweets and I get instant, right. um, instant replies. And, um, so any of the smart stuff's really good. Um, I'm trying to think the Terry stuff when Terry was in his, on his run in the playoffs, um, <laughs> that was a, a really fun time when he just eviscerated Eric Bledsoe. I don't <laughs> think he has, I don't think he's recovered since. You mean Drew? Um, you mean Drew Bledsoe? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Drew Bledsoe. Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know if I have a specific favorite, uh, type of meme, but, you know, anything Marcus Smart is always uh, near and dear to my heart. Some of those memes look like they take forever to make. Like, yeah, I could never fathom how to put that together, which is crazy. the vision, the vision, like, too. Yeah. Some of these guys are like genuinely really talented that put them together. I, I some girls, too. I tell you, yeah. we did uh, we did one for uh, for National Women's Day the other night and or International Women's Day. And some of the ones, and I had no idea that some of these posters were were female. I just didn't think about it because they right, don't yeah. have like their name in their uh, in their handle. And I'm like, they're just incredibly talented, all of them. Um, and, and sometimes the the ones that aren't well done are better. You know, like it really because yeah, it's funny. It's funny it's because funny. like it's like it's like ah, like that's part of the joke. Yeah. So there's like different types. Like there's like. This is like something based solely on the game. It's like a screen grab and like a funny moment, whatever. That's great. Some are just like beautiful art that like, look, I don't even know what what made you do that, but it's awesome. I'm going to put that on TV. And some are just a joke, but it's such a crappy Photoshop that it makes it even (laughs) funnier. Yeah. So, you know, there's a a lot of different categories and it really just depends on the game and and the night and what kind of mood people are in. Um. I gotta ask. I, I doubt you have seen it, but I make videos for Weird Celtics Twitter. They're called Weird Celtics Recaps. I will send you them. I want to know what you think. Uh, not right <laughs> now, but like if you ever get the chance to look at them, they're hilarious. I, I like making. Yeah, so I, I like making those a lot. Um, but I really love the smart memes too. I think mm-hmm. he's the best because he embraces it, like you say, and like him dancing during the games and just funny stuff. Like 
during the Sixers game, like he slapped Al in the ass after he put a move on him. Like it was just great. He's he's so funny. Yeah, absolutely. And what's great is that uh, every other team probably hates Marcus Smart. Exactly. Like pro- and it's yeah. just and the fact that like Celtics fans can uh, can see like what just a fun, loving, nice good genuine human he is but like he plays with such a like an edge that it's you just never know when he's going to try to fight a ref after the game like the other night or <laughs> that's crazy that he did that because it's something like we as you know we see him all the time he doesn't seem like it's in his personality anymore like obviously yeah. he had the incident at oklahoma state but mm-hmm. like he's like he, he's like he seems like a big teddy bear to all of us like he seems like the nicest guy yeah. like i've been down uh and the risers before, like before the games, like he literally went up in the in the loge before to give high fives and autographs and pictures when I was there. Like he seems like the most genuine dude ever. And he's so nice to the people that cover him too. Like he gets like gift cards for the media and stuff. Just like which is like the absolute opposite of wow. what was happening last year with Kyrie. It's like it's just like he just like shows <laughs> it like look, I appreciate you guys have a job here. You know, like you guys are away from your families too on the road here with us. Um, yeah. You know, so. He, he's just a really great person, and you're absolutely right. He's such a good guy. And, and yeah, he, but he plays with that edge on the court that you cannot coach that out of him because it's like Draymond Green. It's like if, as soon as you take that spark away, you you lose your power. You know, you need he needs to be on that edge, and sometimes that burns you. But like nine out of ten, or even ninety nine out of a hundred times, it helps you win games. And there's just that one time where it'll it'll end up being in a bad moment. But at the end of the day. You know, that's just you just have to live with that. And I think that Brad, look, Brad said at the beginning of the season, I love him and I trust him. And you know what? Me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he you think they're oh, you go ahead. Go ahead. Jack. I was just going to say, I think he'd be the best, like closest thing we have to a captain on the team ever since Rondo. I, he just fits the role so well as a leader. And when he even though he's not like the top scorer, he's just uh, obviously, I think, clearly, clearly the leader on the Celtics team. A hundred percent. And look, the the thing about the scoring is, look, he's. If you see, like, his best offensive output games are, like, the games that they, they lose. But it's not because he's yeah. taking shots or anything. It's because they're down guys. And he's he's had to step up, and it just wasn't enough to get them over the edge. But the fact that he has that ability um, to, to score 20-plus or hit 11 threes in a game <laughs> um, yeah. is just – it's so important. Um, it's just valuable. And in the playoffs, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Before you go, yeah. um, is is there like anything between you and Mannix? I don't know if that's a real thing or it's a running <laughs> joke, but uh, I've seen like people like saying they don't like Mannix, and I like that there's like some kind of beef. I don't know if that's true or not. And if you I don't, don't want to, you don't have to. Uh, no, I don't know if he wants me to say the truth, which is uh, no, he's just kidding around. He's <laughs> he's he's a super nice guy. He really is. Uh, we joke about it all the time, and that's his role. But he does it to, to Kyle and Scal. He he busts their their chops as well. Um, and that's all he does. And it's so funny. Like he'll be completely normal, like in the break, like through IFB, we'll be just talking, you know, just about the game or whatever. It's usually me complaining about the Sixers and asking him him if he can tell the league to get the Sixers owners to sell the team and stuff like that. And, you know, we'll have a fine, lovely conversation. Then as soon as the red light comes on, it's my turn for the segment. Like, oh great, Max is here. God, <laughs> this is the worst. I mean, you and your dorks. And so yeah, I mean, he just plays it up. Um, That's awesome. Love that. That makes but, him super cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, Any, you know, it, please keep sending memes though. You know, dunking on him as much as you can because <laughs> I love giving it back. That's amazing. Uh, I know you wanted to watch your. Northeastern basketball game, so I respect that. I just had one final question. It can be yes or no, but um, I, Bannertown USA, tweet at Grant Williams uh, once a day, unless I miss a day, trying to get him on the podcast, and I'm just curious, is he actually as goofy as he looks in the media, like just as a funny dude as he is in person, if you've had any experiences with him? Yeah, so I've never met him personally, but Mm -hmm. um, we've had him on post up a bunch, and so I see all like the just as we're micing them up and and just the cameras rolling and stuff like that, or we just have the feed going on and and yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, he really is. Um, Forsberg did uh, he did like a twenty five minute interview with him. It was so long, I couldn't believe how long it was. <laughs> but Grant was just into it. He was so into it, and and I had like eleven or twelve like just out there questions for him at the very end, and he was just like. He kept looking at, at Chris like, wait, is this, is this a Chris question or is this a Max question? Like, like, what, like, did you write this? Or like, 
like and he was just into it he was involved and yeah i mean he he seems like such a good guy uh and and it's not it does not uh look fake i think he's genuinely just a cool dude that's amazing i'm I'm glad to hear it because he he seems like one of my favorite players almost like another smart in a way uh, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I'll let you get to your Northeastern basketball game. Yeah, Hope they win. Uh, anything you want to say before you get out of here? Uh, never stop posting. It's always postseason. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, like Max, I said, go go Northeastern. Are they the what team are they? Are they the, <laughs> the Huskies? Huskies. Sorry, I was getting mixed up with something else. Uh, but yeah, man, great having you on the show. Uh, maybe you come back if you want. Always love to have you. But. Uh, have a good day. Absolutely, Absolutely, guys. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks Max. Time. It was awesome. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, Max Max Letterman. Amazing dude. Uh, I thought he told some great, guess. great insights. Awesome. Yeah. I thought it was really funny to hear about how, uh, how smart and Grant act, uh, how it's not like just for show. I, I feel like I believe that. I just wanted to confirm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, they're they're not actors, man. They're basketball players. So like, <laughs> of course, of course not. Um, but yeah, that was really really fun. Yeah, it was a great time. I think it's it was a good perspective to get from a, a Philly fan. I liked hearing all he had to say about Philly because I've never actually yeah. spoken to like someone who grew up a Philly fan. And I think it was cool that That's he civil. Yeah, he's <laughs> civil, right? Exactly. Dude, they're That's they're mean. Dude, they're mean. All over Twitter, I I always say. Philly's my least favorite fan base, but after that conversation, maybe I'll have to lean Lakers fan base because he, he just seemed like a genuinely good I hate dude. Definitely yeah, Lakers. Lakers fans suck. I was so mad when they beat the Clippers the other day too. That was rough. I was too. Brutal. I was watching it before I, uh, me and my buddy went to get food before the Celtics game. It was on in the bar, and we were just where'd you go? Uh, we went to Porter's Porter's Bar and Grill. The most fire place, I meant to tell you, and I didn't. Mm -hmm. When you go to a Celtics game, you have to go to halftime pizza. Really? Oh, wait. It's fire. Is that right across from the North North Station entrance? It's it's right across. Mm -hmm. I've been there, I think. Is it like a big line? You walk up, get your slice, and sit down? Big line. Yep. Big line. They have all, like, old games going on. If you go in the back, they have, like, pictures in the ceiling tiles. It's a great spot. Sponsor us. Um... But no, nah, seriously, <laughs> seriously, I genuinely, that's part of like the tradition. When you go to a game, you always got to hit halftime. Yeah. Great place. I, I'm pretty sure I went there my freshman year, so like two years ago. And it was great. It was just great pizza. It wasn't that expensive either. It's the best part. No, nah, it's a good deal. Yeah, no. Uh, Porter's is pretty good, though. I think we both got like fish and chips for like 14 bucks each. It was a steal. It, it was like, it was good food. It was just solid like pregame uh, meal before we got to the game. But, uh, yeah, man, these Celtics struggles need to end soon. I'm kind of sick of it. As much as I understand every team, go, every brutal, team goes through things like these, but it, it, it's just killing me to see them blow all these leads. It's just not the – exactly. The way they're losing is brutal because they should have won every single game they played this week. Yeah. And exactly. it's a tough time, too, because they're really trying to get that second seed. I think it's important. Really like playing at home. So, like – in the playoffs, I think having home court over Toronto is important because they don't play well up in Toronto ever. Mm-hmm. So Christmas was the first time they went up there since Smart made a buzzer beater his rookie year. So <laughs> that, that tells you quite a bit. And we haven't beat the Rockets since Smart made those insane offensive – or he drew those offensive fouls, right? Well, at least yes, but like at least – they don't have to play the Rockets again. Hopefully. Exactly. I, I mean... I doubt I doubt it. Yeah. Unless we... I, I, You know what? I'm going to be confident here. I'm going to be a homer and say we're... Let's assume the Celtics make it to the finals. I don't think the Rockets would be able to get through the Lakers and the Clippers. As good as they are. Yeah, that's what know. I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think so. But yeah, man. Uh, great guest, Max. Great, I think, Max discussion. awesome. Yeah, it was a good vent session, I would say. Uh, hopefully, you guys could listen to us vent and got your your mind off of it or not mind off of it, but ease the nerves a little bit i think the celtics will be fine down the stretch i here. hope this podcast made you more happy to be a celtics fan <laughs> it made me I, more happy to be a celtics fan yeah it definitely lifted my spirits man i was heated yesterday went to the casino lost so like it just made the night worse <laughs> like yeah, hey and if anything if anything it made me happy not to be a sixers fan i'll say that <laughs> Yeah, he was, like, talking about the struggles and stuff. I was like, damn, I've never gone through this. Yeah, I know. It's been a good good last decade for us as Celtics fans. Uh, but, yeah, man, uh, Sam, anything you got to say before we wrap this up? 
Um, yeah, make sure you uh, catch Max on the pre and post game shows. He's great. Um, tweet at him. Send him the memes, like he said. Um, check out Parquet Press, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Celtics beat Milwaukee Thursday, I will do a recap. Um, oh yeah, big. They got to earn the recaps, man. Even though, I mean, I hope Giannis plays just so it's legit. Yeah, exactly. If he doesn't play, it makes me feel like a, a tool for making a recap. But I probably will anyways because it's still a big game. Yeah, you can uh, you make a joke that he's not there. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll mm-hmm. do something. Um, yeah, thanks again to Liz for listening. Uh, Jack, you close us. I yeah. am not the <laughs> man. For sure. Uh, follow Max. Uh, Max underscore Letterman on uh, Twitter. Sam at Parquet Press. Me at Bannertown USA. I uh, appreciate all you guys for listening, tuning in. Uh, hopefully we'll have another one later this week for you guys. Uh, but yeah, thanks for listening to From the Rafters, presented by Bannertown USA. See you guys next time. Peace.